with real estate as an agent, there is no ceiling. It's daunting, but like if you, you know, crush it, there's no one who's gonna say, no, you can't make more this year. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. I'm excited for today's interview. Today, I get to interview Shelby Osborne. She's from Charlotte, North Carolina. The I actually briefly met Shelby a few weeks ago at the Bigger Pockets conference, and the and and pushed her to see why she hadn't applied to be on the podcast yet. And recently, there she had quite a few shout outs from some other guests that we've had. So, uh, Shelby, how's it going? Oh my gosh! Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. <laughs> the so what office are you with? As uh, EXP. So you're with EXP. The mm-hmm. and so when I got to to briefly meet you out in uh, in New Orleans, so David Osborne and I wrote a book together. So we had flown out there to go kind of talk about our book and pitch our book. And you had gone up to David and said like, "Hey, kind of he had he had inspired you. Saw him speak somewhere, and he had inspired you with some of the some of the real estate practices. Was that before you became an agent or when you had first become an agent? It was when I was at one of my lowest points, my first year as an agent, when I was just drowning and like, you know, three days behind on everything and feeling completely overwhelmed. I read, it was Hal Elrod and David Osborne, the Miracle Morning Millionaire's book. Mm -hmm. And it really shaped the way that I structured the rest of, like I made big changes because of him. It really hit me at the right time. Yeah, that's a great book too. Yeah, the the, the Miracle Morning for, for agents. Hal Hal has some really really great books and and really similar story for me because I had lost essentially had, had done really well from like 2009 to 2012 2013. I'd lost everything, lost millions of dollars in, in 2013, and it was like at my reset. And I was going, how could I have done this? And I read Hal's Miracle Morning book at the time. And that was one of the things that helped get me off my feet. And now how's a good buddy of mine. And uh, we get to hang out here in Austin quite a bit. So I fangirled a- so hard with both of them. <laughs> like you guys changed my life. I'm that person. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Right. This, the first time I met how I did the same thing. I saw him in an elevator and I started stuttering. It's, it's funny now that we do all these holidays together and stuff uh, with our families. But I mean, the first time I met him too, it was like, I cannot believe I'm meeting you in yeah. person. Totally. Like trying to go, hey, you, you you changed my life by by getting to be inspired out there. What's real estate out in North Carolina like right now? Uh, booming, yeah, pretty much like everywhere else, I'd say. But um, Charlotte, Charlotte's insane. The price point, it's just my, very much different than what I'm used to. So although I live in Charlotte now, I've been here a little less than a year, and I did the majority of my agent building and investment time in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is right outside Fort Bragg, if you know where that is, Mm -hmm. the military installation. And so I'm much more familiar with the Fayetteville market. And that also has exploded, which is really funny because back when I started in 2018, the market was like flatline. Like you can go back 10 years ago and the properties would be worth the same amount. And since then it's just increased right along with like the rest of you know the country these days. And it's really cool to see appreciation finally take off in that market. So So why did you decide you want to become an agent in 2018? I was in the military for six years. I graduated in 2012 and commissioned into the military and spent six years of 
development for sure, um, personally. And then you get to that point probably with any like W2 job where you start looking around and you can see your next five, 10, 15 years. And I started thinking about what that looked like. And I had a pretty clear picture and it wasn't what I wanted for myself. And so I started looking out, you know, for different ways to stop trading potentially my time for money. And that's when I found real estate investing. So I was an investor first, investor-minded first, and then decided to get out of the military to pursue real estate full-time as an investor and also an agent. Because I figured what better way to nest you know, my goals of making a- active income and pouring them into passive income. And it just made a lot of sense, especially since you know, with real estate as an agent, there is no ceiling. It's daunting, but like if you, you know, crush it, you, there's no one who's going to say, no, you can't make more this year. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no barriers to entry. There's no ceiling. The, I mean, you're instantly an entrepreneur. I think that's, that's what some people don't understand all the way, right? When they think some people might think of it as another job and you have to think about it like you're, like you're running your own business, right? Your, your time frame, your decisions, people yes. aren't going to make it happen for you. But again, there is no ceiling. So if you, uh, if you do well, if you work hard and you get a little bit of luck in there too, uh, totally not pretty good. Yeah, for sure. So the, so 2012 to 2018, you were in the military. The, did you get to do anything fun while you were in the military? Yeah, I did actually. So I was HR. So the majority of my day-to-day work was like behind a computer, spreadsheets, calendar tracking, which is like super helpful for Mm -hmm. real estate. (laughs) But I also, I got to go to air assault school and I was the honor grad of my air assault school. So that was rappelling out of helicopters. And then, um, I did airborne as well. So I jumped out of some, some planes so that's fun. That, that is cool stuff. Repelling out of helicopters <laughs> and jumping out of planes and going from that to being an investor and then being an agent. I, there's actually several members on my team, on my real estate team, on my investment team that are all kind of retired military. They were, were previously military. And I think it's pretty common to when people have a job that the, that the, the career path is kind of slow and it's very specific. Where it is, yes, in five years, this is what you will be. In 10 years, this is what you will be. There are some people that that gives them the security that says, great, I know exactly where I'll be in 10 years. And other people that are like, I don't, that's not for me. Yeah. I looked, I looked ahead and I was like, I think it's only going to get worse. Like everyone just seems less happy. <laughs> yeah. So. Trading that time for money. So 2018, totally. so did you, so did you buy a house? Did you buy a house? Did you buy an investment before you became an agent? Um, yes. So back in 2013 at my first duty station, my dad was like, Hey, Shelby, there's this thing called a VA loan where you can put 0% down and get a house. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. So I just bought actually the place that I was renting. I contacted the landlord and was like, yo, can I just buy this? And they sold it to me. So by the time I started, I had one door. Um, but, but I, um, actually that's not quite true. So I got out of the military in 2018, but I decided I was getting out in about spring of 2017. So November of 2017 is when I actually got my license and I closed on my first intentional investment property, which was a duplex in Fayetteville. So the one that you lived in and you said, Mm -hmm. you called your landlord and said, Hey, can I buy this? Was your mortgage less than your rent? It was about the same. So about the same. So you're like, now I, now I get to own it. Were they surprised you reached out to them wanting to um, they were believed actually. So they were trying to, I mean, great time for me, <laughs> 2013, yeah. they were trying to sell before and no one wanted it. So they were happy to sell it to me. And now that thing has appreciated like a hundred thousand dollars, you know, since I bought it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And you, are, you already knew the condition of the house. You already knew exactly what you were getting. So you're like, I'm just going to exactly. stay here. So the, yeah. your, when do you, 
when you transitioned from like investor agent to an agent, were you just doing your own deals at first? Were you also representing clients? No, I was doing anything that I could get my hands on for sure. So I tried as much as possible to pursue investing and real estate as an agent, both like full time, full speed ahead, which is super hard. Like you can't be hundred percent in multiple things. So it was kind of like a back and forth that first year. But I would say that I, I spent a lot of time on the agent business just because, you know, you're, I go from having a fixed every two weeks, getting a paycheck to being like, holy, like, how am I going to get, when am I going to get paid next? And I don't know how much. And even when I get paid, then what, what's after that? Who's after that? You know? So it's a kind of a scary, <laughs> kind of a scary thing. Yeah. I remember first transitioning from having a job, from having a W2 to being an entrepreneur and with housing and doing, having all these charts to be like, okay, these are the ones that I had pending. So I do think that, uh, and it was first for me as an investor. So it's like, okay, so in 30 days, I think I'm going to have this income. In 60 days, I think I'm going to have this income. Here's properties we just bought. We're going to have rehabbed by May. And yeah. hopefully if we get an offer. So you're starting to look at that chart. And so you kind of know what's coming, but then something falls out of escrow or a bunch of things fall out of escrow at the same time. Totally. So you've got to work hard to do those. Did you do uh, your first year mostly representing buyers, mostly representing sellers? It was definitely mostly buyers. I was actually really scared, unreasonably scared of listings. Actually, maybe not looking back. I think I was scared of listings at that time because it was so hard to sell. Like properties would sit on the market for six months, like easy. And then it's hard when the seller's like, Hey, why is, when are you, when are you going to sell this? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, man, I'm trying. So <laughs> I definitely, the buyers, it was, had a lot more power and I worked with more majority buyers, but I worked with a bunch of investors as well. So, but also buyers. And so 20, own. and that was 2018. Yes. And what market was that in 2018? Fayetteville. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that time it was a buyer's <laughs> market. So it was almost oh, like, so if, you, if you got a listing, it was hard as a today. It's definitely a, a seller's market, no matter where you where are. Are you still doing mostly buyers or listings? No now? buyers. I will not do a buyer anymore. Um, and even if it was like <laughs> a good friend or family, I'd be like, Hey, here's this person on my team or other agent to work with. But when you're ready to sell, I'm ready. And I'll help them of course. But it's just like, yeah, listings are of course, um, leveraged, highly leveraged. And I have a listing coordinator because I list from Charlotte in Fayetteville. Like that's my listings are in Fayetteville, but I have, you know, the listing coordinator, the contractors, the vendors, everything set up so that they even walk the properties. I don't even actually see generally yeah. the properties beforehand. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market. So many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor, to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website, go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their, pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day 
and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. So if someone wants to set up a team to be able to list stuff remotely, Mm-hmm. Right, that right, like being able to list just a just a town away or a city away, and yeah. I think right now people are going to have to work really hard to be able to do that. It's about where can you get business and how can you get the business and how can you scale. And people do it on the investment side and people do it on the listing side. But if if they came to you and said, Shelby, how do I how do I build my team to be able to do this remotely? What would you tell them? Who do they need to hire first? So how to build your team? So in this scenario, do they already have the business? The, well, I guess let's start at both places, right? So the, so did, so did you have the business first? So were you, was it, were you moved from somewhere else? You already had the business. You just had to figure out how to keep your team in, going. In my personal experience, I had to bust my ass for multiple years in Fayetteville to build a business. So that way, okay. when I moved to Charlotte, I already have the, I have an established network and I have an established clientele base in the area. Okay. All right. So what, and then what's your team look like there now? You said you've got, uh, some, you've got essentially a bunch of contractors that you built over time to fix, fix. Yeah. They're never a perfect, you know how it is with contractors. It's always a struggle a little bit, but the key players on my listing side are definitely, it's my listing coordinator. And then I have a transaction coordinator. So they, they do two things. The listing coordinator is the one I'll do, you know, the initial conversation with the seller. And from there, I will have my listing coordinator actually go out and walk the property. Um, it depends on if the sellers are or not. Sometimes it's tenant occupied, depends on the situation, but she'll walk the property and send me a bunch of photos to which I will compile recommendations on what we need to do to get the property in the condition that we need to in order to sell at the price point that we're looking at. And I will do the list of recommendations and also the analysis on the projected value if we do everything in in accordance with the recommendations. And I'll send an email to the seller with, you know, price point recommendations and then the way ahead, including timeline. So like, you know, this, this, and this is what's going to happen. And so from that email, my listing coordinator is included in it. And that's her to-do list, essentially. She'll take that guidance and then execute. um, And she'll do, you know, she actually manages the renovations if there need to be. She's a project manager as well. So charges a little more for that. But she'll manage the renovation and then schedule the photos, do the measurements, um, staging, and all of the MLS input, input the um, MLS and the photos and all of that stuff. And then from there, it'll go live. The offers will come in. I will do the analysis and recommendations, talk to the seller, decide on whatever the best is for their particular scenario, goes under contract. And then I hand it to my, my contract to close team. That's pretty normal. So you jumped through a ton of stuff really fast. Just oh. really awesome. No, awesome <laughs> Sorry. stuff. So no, it's a person reaches out to you and they say, Shelby, can you list my house? And you're yes. saying you're sending over a recommendation and it says, yes, based on the way it looks right now, we could list your house for $200,000. But if you, if you want to paint it, if you want to do this to it, if you want to do this to it, it's going to take us three weeks. It's going to cost you an extra $12,000, but we think we could sell it for $40,000 more. Am I understanding that right? Like you're, you're on how Roughly. you're doing Generally what I'll do is by that first conversation. So I have my like phone notes my script that I follow. And from that, I will pull what they want from it. So it's all about like what the seller's goal is. If they don't want to do any repairs to the property, I also have like a huge investor network. So if it works, I often try to pair it 
So, oh, you don't want to do anything, but it could work as a rental. I'll try to pair it and make the solution that way. If they're like, hey, I don't care what it takes. I want top dollar for this property. Then my recommendations will follow accordingly. So it really depends on that initial conversation with the seller to really pull out what they actually want. Because they all say that they want the most money. But like, ultimately, if you keep going a couple levels deep, you'll find out exactly what they truly want and the why behind it and then be able to meet their goals. Does that make sense? Yeah, very cool. So you're so you're starting that conversation conversation first, saying, mm-hmm. "What's the most important thing to you? Is it is it time? Is right. it getting to stay in exactly. your house?" I, I remember early, I guess last year, what sellers really wanted the most was they wanted to sell their house, but then be able to stay in it for an extra sixty to ninety days after closing. Exactly. So they could find because it was going to take because they knew it was hard to find another replacement. So like, yes, I want to sell, but I want to stay in it for free for a couple months afterwards. So you're going to figure out what do you really want with this. Yes. And if they're like, hey, I don't want to do anything. I just want a quick cash offer. Then you go to the investment network. They're like, right. well, I want to make a little bit more than that. And you're like, all right, we can list it MLS as is while you live there. That's fine. Yes. And then they want top dollar. You're like, okay, then we got to fix it. And we got to do right. this. Exactly. It all depends on 100% on what they want for their scenario. So then when you go present that, are you, only, are you presenting them options at that point? Or are you really presenting them the one that's best for their scenario? It depends. <laughs> that's such yeah. a, all of these, every single thing in real estate depends. Like my agents will ask, well, like how often do I need to check in on people? And I'm like, well, it depends on how your conversation went, like how excited they are to either buy, sell or invest. Like, you know, there's no straight answer in any of this. Um, but generally, ideally I will have a good enough sense from that initial phone call to be like, Hey, based on what you, you know, what we discussed and identified as your true needs, this is the I proposed way ahead. And most of the time they're like, okay, perfect, Shelby, let's freaking roll. Um, if for any reason I, I get a sense that they're not okay with that, or that's not exactly what they're looking for, totally fine. We will adjust as needed. Like, okay, I pick up the phone. Okay. I sense the hesitation. No worries at all. We can adjust. Let's go through again, what exactly you're looking for, or what is the piece of this puzzle that you're not in love with? Yeah. You know? We've been trying to encourage agents to you know team up with investors or become investors this year. Mm-hmm. And kind of give sellers the two or three options that oh I can buy yes. it for cash today at this <laughs> and I'll let you stay there for a couple months and I'll deal with the cleanup later. Or we can partner together and we can fix it up and we can sell it kind of presenting those options as and pre- be, being able to present themselves as a hybrid investor agent. Do you ever buy the, so the listings yourself? Um, people are like, hey, can you buy this? Or is it always just partnering with I, I haven't for deals like that. So my best deals have come straight off off market from wholesalers or from courthouse foreclosures. We mm-hmm. used to have, I mean, I used to have a lot of success with like VA foreclosures as well, but those dried up in um, Fayetteville. But I have not actually bought a deal. It's not that I wouldn't. It's just that I guess it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And so- You I bought didn't. courthouse foreclosures in, in North Carolina? Yes. The That's our- the first five, six, five, six years of our business was just courthouse foreclosures. Really? Yeah. It was just buying courthouse foreclosures oh, and the, we're and, the same. yeah. And fixing <laughs> and selling. There's a whole bunch of stories to go I- into that, but yeah, that was our, the big, the big part of our business. And for people that buy in Texas, our company is the one that provides the, essentially the foreclosure list. The, have you been tracking cool. foreclosures much since uh, COVID hit? No, not much. Yeah. But other than like, yeah, not much. The, I heard that they're coming back in both North Carolina and South Carolina right now, bef- uh, quicker than a lot of other places. So when COVID hit, there was foreclosure moratoriums kind of put everywhere. In Texas, since then, we've seen about 20% of the normal volume. We think we have 30 or 40,000 people that were posted in the last 18 months that are just in limbo 
right now, but they all have a ton of equity though too. I think while the world has this much equity, foreclosures aren't quite the same opportunity that they were before. True. But the, True. Yeah. David and I released our how to buy foreclosures book at the absolute wrong time. Oh. It was, it was, uh, it came out right as COVID was hitting and we thought this is brilliant. There's about to be a million foreclosures in the world. And then, and, and like, then gotcha. everybody's, house, everybody's house values went way up. We're like, just kidding. The, if anybody's in foreclosure, they're just going to sell their house instead. How do you get most of your deals now today as an agent? Um, I actually haven't been acquiring any more recently. And by any more recently, I mean, I've acquired three in the past, probably four in the past year. Um, and so those came from, so we have essentially a wholesaler who's on the team who is doing direct marketing to sellers and partnering with him on two properties. And then one of them was actually a courthouse foreclosure in Fayetteville, which just one or a handful are stumbling through every once in a while. We actually set it up. So I don't know if your experience was this, was it like a completely archaic, frustrating system? Yeah, that's, that's why it's <laughs> such a big opportunity because it is so archaic and so unorganized. Totally. It was freaking miserable. But one of the, one of the agents on the team was super interested in courthouse foreclosures to the point where it was great for the team because what he did, I'm sorry, my, my autofocus is not working. Yeah. The camera. <laughs> what kind of camera <laughs> are you using? It's a Canon. I'm looking at it. Something. No, just Canon. Too much money. <laughs> yeah, it'll jump. Sorry. Same thing happens with my Sony off and on. It's back. Oh, yes, I can perfect. see you again. And for everyone okay. watching on YouTube, they're like, okay, now we can see. Sorry, sorry guys. That was super annoying. But yeah. Okay. So one of the agents was like incredibly fascinated with the courthouse foreclosure system. And so what he did is he figured it all out. He went down there and like figured out, took the time, did all the legwork to build out a spreadsheet in which all of the courthouse foreclosures properties were on there. And it took him an insane amount of time to build out the spreadsheet. But once it was built out, we created like a, essentially a cheat sheet for our interns to go and be the ones to pull the files at the courthouse and update the spreadsheet, which we hung online. And it was like our kind of like our, our off market MLS for our clients. And it yeah. did work pretty well for a while. So you would and take those foreclosure leads and then like bring them up to clients and be, Hey, you want to try to buy this house? Yeah, no, that's that what we did. And and they did buy the house and we would charge a fat, flat fee on top of it. And that's what we did for most of our properties in Fayetteville because when you're helping someone buy like a 30, 40, $50,000 house and even at 3%, that's not it. That's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so we charge like a $3,500, uh, $4,500 flat fee too. That's very cool. So what's um, for the deals, how many deals are you gonna do as an agent this year? Personally, I had closed 15 and I have four under contract. Last year I did 40, but the team, um, okay. So my first year ever, which I didn't talk about this, but my first year ever 2018, I was the Keller Williams rookie of the year for all of North and South Carolina. And I closed 48 deals as a solo agent myself that first year and then started the team and the team's first year, we closed 130 deals, 19 million. And then last year we did 230 deals, 31 million in volume. And this year, halfway through the year, changed the model. But by the halfway point, we had closed 163 and 26 million in volume, but changed the model from your tracking EXP, right? Yep. Yeah. So no longer the traditional old school 50-50 team split team does everything for you, including all of the administration, all the marketing, everything to a purely EXP revenue share model 
So that way I went to each one of our admin and was like, Hey guys, do you want to start your own companies? Because what I wanted was to keep the team together, but take away all the parts that I wasn't interested in doing anymore. And then also provide the agents with more money, but keep all of our systems, checklists, processes, team syncs, team group chats, all of that stuff together. So it helps the admin start their own companies. That's why we have a listing coordinator company and a project who does project management. And we have the TCs, everything stayed in place, except I kind of removed the team part out of it just because you probably talked to a lot of team leaders. It's a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you did, so your first year though, you did like, you said 40 as a solo agent? I did 48 as a solo agent. 48 as a solo agent. And how did you get a lot of that? How'd you get that business? Uh, so the army, a lot of it came from the military, which is one of the reasons why I stayed in Fayetteville. So I was in the army for six years and I was human resources. I was in charge of you know, the human resources for a 750 man battalion of yeah. soldiers who have access to the VA loan and have friends who have access to the VA loan. And so I did a lot of VA buyers that first year. And also since I was so involved in investing, I was very active on bigger pockets, which yeah. <laughs> and then also started on the forums in bigger pockets. Yeah. On the forums. Um, and then also just like messaging people. If I saw that they were interested in Fayetteville, I, I got business through that means as well. Um, and then primarily also uh, the real estate investors meetup called Pints and Properties that Kelly, I think mentioned a couple shows ago. Yeah. But that was, that was a big one too. So created a community, tapped into my sphere of influence and more importantly, my sphere of influences, sphere of influences through, through the military. And then just also pursuing people who were like me. Like my target audience was me in a lot of ways, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Mujistegi, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me i said yes we have to be able to do this deal so that sponsor is follow-up boss you know on an interview last week with agent mark mcguire i asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was and he said it was follow-up boss and then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why follow-up boss was the best crm he uses so there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use follow-up boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses follow-up boss to get a 400% ROI on its massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses follow-up boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses follow-up boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, follow-up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. 
Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out. Especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. Very cool. So you definitely, you knew what your niche was. You knew it was, Hey, you had a connection to a lot of people in the military. Mm -hmm. You knew you could go to and pitch to them and say, Hey, you can get the VA loan. And so by getting the VA loan, you can buy a house, no money down, and you could be an investor or you could buy the house that you're renting right now. Totally. And you got to start pitching that. What was that pitch like? Like the, was it, was it outbound stuff? Was it every time you bumped into somebody, were you making big announcements, you know, outreach to the friends like, Hey, I left the military, but now I'm doing this. Um, so I was pretty consistent on social media. I would say that social media has been a pretty big impact on my business um, and not pushy, not salesy, but more of like sharing what I'm doing and being excited about what I'm doing. And so that just was the consistent reminder for people. But also I reached out to command teams. So I was, I was a captain when I got out and company commanders are also captains in the military. And they're the ones who are at the lowest level commander over, you know, a, a company of people. And so I would go to them and say, Hey guys, um, I know once a month at the end of the month, you guys have soldiers time training, which they do. It's the last thing that they do before they release for the last weekend of the month, usually a four day. And I was like, can I come by and just give a class on the VA loan and the benefits? And so they're like, yeah, sure. She'll do whatever. And so I used a lot of, you know, those soldier time trainings to get in front of soldiers and make them sign in, you know, the whole thing. And then also like MWR events. So like the military has, um, it's like military welfare and recreation. So they have events like that, that I would also go and just give little info sessions on. That's very cool. I mean, it's, it's very cool. I mean, you had some inside track of how it all worked, but you decided to reach out and say, okay, I'm going to, it's saying, Hey, can I go teach a class? Like, can I go offer value? Can I go lead a class? And then that probably led a little bit to your pints and property stuff later. Because if there's, I've had a few people on the podcast before. Kelly was talking about a few a few weeks ago, the gal named uh, Kimberly Meserve that's done it in Boston, kind of a, a little different spin on that. But the but like a, it's kind of like a meetup to tell first time home buyers about the process of buying a house. Yes. Well, pints and properties isn't, but the the ones that I went to the command teams, I would always focus on the VA loan just because it's 0% down and I knew all of them had access to it okay. as long as their credit was decent. But with the, the military too, I would always put a spin on the investment part of it because that's something that I found a lot in the military communities is that soldiers are really bad with their money <laughs> consistently time and time again. And so um, I would you know talk about house hacking talking about, you know, buying a house and maybe renting out rooms or something where you can Airbnb the mother-in-law suite or the detached, whatever. Um, so that was like the military spin, the VA loan, buy it, live in it, rent it or house hack it. And then pints and properties was definitely investor focused for me. It wasn't like, Hey, here's how a normal person buy or sells a house. It's like, Hey, we are all trying to acquire properties so that way, you know, we can reach that financial freedom that everyone's looking for and then have the opportunity to start picking your head up and looking around at life and seeing, you know, what is most meaningful to me and all of that stuff. So anyway, that was the track for the why behind Pints and Properties. And with that, our speakers would be anything from, you know, raising private capital from the Burr strategy. We would get a wholesaler in there and talk about acquiring off-market deals, like any different part of the investing spin to expedite all of these people's drive towards that financial freedom goal. 
Cool. So you've done different sorts of meetups in in education. The the military stuff was how to buy a house, how to use the VA loan. Pines and Properties was essentially tips to investors in hopes that the investors would come to you. Do you you have mostly investor clients now? Does your team serve mostly investor clients? Um, I would say it's about 50-50 now. There was a time when it was probably about 70% investors, but it it's harder, a little bit harder now for investors. And we've also attracted more than just the investor agent. For a while there, we had a bunch of the investor agents. And what I mean by that is they were investors, but they were also interested in primarily working with investors. Because there is, you know, there's two different types of clients. There's the investor client who's like numbers, it's business, bottom line. And then there's the more traditional, I like that backsplash, where's my dog going to sleep or whatever. Um, but at this point, what, what five pillars is really attracting is not necessarily the type of client that the agent wants to work with, but it's the type of agent who has the mindset of wanting to take that active income and turn it into their passive to get off the, the hamster wheel that can be real estate. Yeah. Can you think of any other, what are some of the other advantages to having investor clients? Um, repeat for sure. <laughs> so the flips, I mean, it's really nice if you can get them, you know, buy and then sell. And then also, oh, you just made money. Let's do it again. Well, let's do it twice. Here's two deals. You're ready to go. And then same with the burr strategy. So we, I've personally done a lot of burrs myself and then also helped a slew of clients back in 2019 is when I did the most of them personally, but my, my agents do it as well. Tell and our listeners what the burr is. Sorry, I do. I kind of just talk, man. Every, every, no, you're rocking. Everybody, <laughs> like the, but let's, let's just educate them a little okay. bit. I know you're about to share some good knowledge with it. Okay, cool. So the birth strategy, that is when you buy a property, you rehab it, you rent it, you refinance, and then you repeat. And to break that down a little bit more. So you're usually going to buy a piece of crap normally, or at least highly undervalued piece of property. And then you're going to renovate it. So you're going to make it look great. It's now increased its value to, you know, from 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. And now you're going to rent it. Now that it looks nice, you can put a tenant in there and have that rental income. Yay. But all your money is still tied up from the buy and the renovate. So you're going to go to a bank and say, Hey, this property is now worth $100,000. And the bank will say, Hey man, I'll let you refinance. I'll give you 75% of what's what it's worth. So they'll take, you know, 75,000 out of that new value of a hundred. They'll give that back to you. And now you can repeat the process. Yep. The, and so you're talking about how those clients are great, right? If you're representing an investor in that, they're going to go buy a burr. As soon as they get to refinance, they're going to want to go find another one. So you, sh- exactly. you show them a good deal. And in, in that case, are you telling, are you helping them manage construction and things like that for investors when you're pitching that? If somebody wants to start representing investors, are you trying to do the whole package? Are you tell them to buy the house and then so they do the rest? Totally up to them. We have whatever option works best for them. So if they, we have contractors. So if they just want to, you know, acquire the property and hire the contractor to do the renovation, by all means, if they want that extra project management piece on it, we have that as well. My listing coordinator has a listing coordinator and project management company. So she will manage that project for them. Um, but we, we have the whole team. From the contractor to the project manager to the property manager to the lenders who will do the refinances for all those crazy slew of deals that people are trying to do usually at once. So, <laughs> so how did you know? So, so 2018, you did a bunch of deals and then yeah. 2019, you started your team? Yeah, it was January of 2019 is when we became official. I started planning for it in September-ish. So if somebody is coming into their 
you know, whether they're in their second or third year or their 10th or 11th and they want to, they think they want to start a team, what advice would you give them? Do you really want to? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you don't. It's hard. I'm like, I'm not sure. I mean, no, some people really do want to. Um, and I don't regret it at all. Like, I'm very, very grateful for the team and the community that has been built and still exists. But being a traditional team leader where, you know, the, the splits are high, you know, it's 50-50 or even more if you're doing listings, that comes with a lot of responsibility. Because the amount of value you have to provide, you don't have to, but I felt obligated to, has to equate to the amount of money that these the your agents are contributing towards that team. And so um, it's just, it, it is a lot of work and it's absolutely possible, but you definitely have to have be systems minded and attract the right people. If you have systems and you have the right people to run those plays and help continue to grow those systems, I mean, the world is yours. You can do anything. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big Rent Ready mystery can be revealed. Rent Ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new, I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from Rent Ready to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with Rent Ready's newest partner, REI Hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past, and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any type of software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with Rent Ready, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your Rent Ready profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolios, balance sheets, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using Rent Ready, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your Rent Ready subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using Rent Ready, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's Rent Ready with an I at the end. R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. So it sounds like it's a lot. It's like a lot. when you first became a, a team leader and started your team, it was like a, it was a lot of pressure. It was a and lot of pressure. Like, hey, they're giving me this, this. They're giving me a high percentage of their commissions because mm-hmm. I, I mean, the normal kind of uh, team setup is Shelby is doing so many deals. She has so many leads. She can't do them all herself. So we're going to join her team. We're going to get to do some of those deals and she's going to get some of the commission and we're going to do most of the work. You know, as, as the way that I think a lot of people exactly see that it works out. And you were like, if we're going to do that, I need to make sure that I'm providing a bunch of value, helping them oh bring leads. And that becomes difficult. And it's not even just leads. Like, I really think that leads was one of the smallest parts of it. It's like every bit of the training that, in, and of course, when you're a team, you generally you're attracting new agents and established agent out there is like, why am I going to go? I already got it figured out. Why do I want to go to your team? So you're attracting all these new agents. So you have this like influx of training requirements, trying to teach these people from the ground up, which by the way, I've only been doing it a year. (laughs) And um, then also like all of the marketing materials, all the media presence, um, the signs, the, the packets, the listing coordinating leverage, the marketing leverage, the transaction coordinating leverage, 
like every piece of the puzzle is what I was like, I'm going to give these people. And I love them. And it's so cool because all that stuff still exists now. It's just, I've got to, um, allow that all the people on the team to grow, keep more of their money. And then the minute that they want to start their own team, they can just pivot. They don't have to go anywhere, which is really nice because most times they're like, I have to leave your team because I'm going to go start my own thing. No, they stay exactly where they are. They just pivot. Don't do five pillars branding anymore. And then I give them all the tools like, yo, man, this is what I've built for the past four years now. Here it is. Go be successful and I'll help you every step of the way. So it's like, ah, it's just so much, such a better model. I think yeah. <laughs> I had a guy on uh, it's a go abundance guy I had him on um, maybe six or seven months ago. And he had a, he called it his team bridge model. And it was like when people have outgrown the team and they were essentially big enough to go do their own rather than have them leave, he turned it into like this broker scenario, right? Where it was a much different thing they didn't have to leave the team. They essentially got, they essentially got to keep it right. They got to stay yes. part, part of, part of the team, part of the team aspects, but they weren't having to give him a bunch mm. of their income anymore. So that exactly. way he wasn't, he wasn't training people up and they were leaving and competing with him. Essentially. Yes. It was still part of this big family. They just weren't sharing the commissions anymore. That's exactly it. And then there's like a little, we have a little pod going of, of team leaders. So all the team leaders get to help together and at their own little mini community within the community, be like, all right, guys, what are we doing? What's the lesson learned? And, you know, I can help coach through that as well. Yeah. So the, so if somebody wants to go set up a meetup, right. Mm -hmm. What are, I know, I know that you've got like kind of a handout, some instructions that we'll be able to include yes. in some of our stuff. You've even got a website for it, but if you're going to break it, like break some of those steps down for me, uh, is it hard? Is it is somebody, if they want to start a meetup, is it a, is it a challenging thing? No, it's not hard at all. Um, and I was going to try to pull up my checklist so I can just go down it on the spot. Uh, I closed everything out beforehand because sometimes my computer runs slow, but okay. So it's not hard to do a meetup. Um, the checklist that I will include in the show notes for all of this stuff will break it down up to 30 days out. So like at the 30 day mark, you'll decide on, you know, a venue, you'll decide potentially on a speaker, you will create if you want to create an event on social media and start putting out the information for the date and time. Um, and then from there, it's broken down like two weeks out, one week out day of at the meetup, what you need to do. Um, but all of it comes down to like committing and consistency. Like you have to decide that you want to do it. Don't half-ass it. Decide, commit, and then pursue it with energy behind it. And people will come. How many people showed up to your first meetup? Ah, oh, four. Yeah. So what did you do? So I actually got asked to speak at a meetup once. And, yeah. the, and I got there and like four people showed up. And three of them that were like friends of mine. And I wasn't the one putting exactly. it on. So I was like, this is kind of, of funny. But it ended up being some really good conversations. And everybody that was there, you know, had a good time. The how many people, so your first one was four. You kept yeah. going. You put more energy. What did you learn good. on that first one? What I learned on that first one is, yeah, I just needed to be more consistent. I consistently talk about the meetup and then also push it harder on marketing. The first one's always hard. The next one's easier. You know, the next one, twice as many people showed up and then you feel okay, like taking a picture and sharing it on social media being like, yo, thanks for everyone who came out. And then other people will see that and be like, okay, well, that doesn't look too bad. The next one, you know, maybe it'll double again. Maybe it won't, maybe it'll a handful more, but just consistently doing it word of mouth, that sign-in sheet, you always got to have that sign-in sheet. So that way you can hit them with, Hey, thanks for coming here. Are the slides reminder next month, follow us on social media, blah, 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 all that stuff. And consistently pinging them. Yeah. I mean, we have 
50, 60 people show up in, well, anywhere from 30 to 60. COVID is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it changed a lot of in-person stuff for sure. Totally. So you, you get a, you, somebody shows up to one of those, they mm-hmm. sign in. Now you've got their contact information. You're inviting them to future events. Is there anything else that you're doing? Are you, are you sending them actual deals? Are people, are you waiting for them to ask you what they need? Like, how do you, how do you take, how do you monetize those leads the best way possible? Yeah. So the way that I do it now, and it has evolved, the way that I do it now is on the sign-in sheet, it will have a place where, are you interested in learning more about our investors program? Because a lot of people will, you know, want to learn more and want the cheat sheets and the nuggets and all that stuff, which usually I just send out for free. But so many people wanted to do it. We created an investors program, which is like a monthly, I mean, they have access to our tools and checklists and then they get, you know, coaching and training and all that stuff. So that's one of the questions. And then also is it, are you an agent who's looking for a community of investor minded people? And so that's how we're continuing to grow our team within EXP is, you know, a lot of, a lot of investor minded people at firms are feeling like they're kind of on an island. You know, not everyone wants to invest or cares about it as much. And so if, you know, you, you can, find those people and be like, Hey, we're weirdos over here too. come hang out with us. Then that's, that's a way to tap into it as well. Yeah. I love it. How many, uh, how many uh, rental properties do you own now as an investor? I have 74 doors. So they're not all individual properties, but um, my biggest is an eight unit. And then I have a six of five and the rest are quads, tries, duplexes, and single families. Out uh, in North Carolina? Yes, all of them except for my very first one in Washington State that my dad told me to buy. <laughs> all you still the rest have that one. North Carolina. I still do. How much is that one worth now compared to what you bought it for? Last time I checked on Zillow, which we all know is incredibly accurate, yeah. <laughs> it was worth three hundred and thirty thousand, and I bought it for one fifty eight in two thousand and thirteen. That is awesome. Like the the pa- there's so much of a power of, of the power in real estate investing. You know, we're a show, we're a show for agents and for agents to learn tips and tactics. And today we, we've got to talk to them about so many tactics on how to gain more business and how to get investor clients and, and how to build teams and all sorts of things like that. But one of the power of real estate investing that I think is fascinating, that I, that I think all of our listeners should be doing, because I've had times where I made a lot of money in my regular day-to-day income. I didn't do any long-term investing and that can get shut off. Or COVID taught us that like stuff, weird stuff happens and business can get shut off. But real estate investing is like hitting a bunch of singles. Like you buy that duplex and you're like, cool, I'm making 150 bucks a month. Cool. Like that's, that's fine. Right. After your mortgage, after your everything and you get another one and you're, and you're doing that, but then you get to look back at like that compounding extra value of like, oh, that thing's worth $200,000 more today than it was when I got it. And oh, if you got 74 doors and you're doing that, it's this boring little game of hitting singles. And every once in a while, the market makes us look brilliant. Like, and especially the market over the last couple years. What do you think is going to happen to the market over the next two years? I think that, uh, and gosh, I should have paid more attention at bigger pockets at the conference. The, it's the it's all a flat out guess, right? <laughs> so, the, so there's nobody that's going to be holding this to you or saying, Shelby, you gave me the wrong answer, but it's okay. a feeling, right? People have a feeling yeah. what they think is going to happen. I don't think it's going to bust. I don't think that there's going to be this like giant, you know, decrease in value. I, I think that we're going to continue to increase gradually. And then I think it'll settle maybe after a year, a year and a half. Cause I do think that interest rates will creep up after that, which will, I mean, it'll slow. So in, in it's slowed slightly already. Like it's cooled off. 
um, in Charlotte and Fayetteville, not entirely, it's still incredibly um, competitive, but just not as much. But I think that people will continue to want to buy. And I think that the value will continue to increase. Yeah. We're seeing some slight <laughs> sales price declines in Austin, Texas right now. Since Are you? June, right. So we've seen, but it's funny. So we're down 8% median sales price from June in the last four months, but we're still up 20 or 30 from last year at this time. So it's funny as we got to start to look at what a correction really right. means to and the, and what we think prices are going to be a year or two from now. I think Maybe I I feel like right now we're seeing uh, at least here we're seeing a seasonal correction, not a not okay. one that's that's going to be. I'm still betting on real estate, so people will say like, what are you know whether I'm right or not? I try to look at things in a period of a year, and I still think that there's we have a lot of runway left. So I'm going to try to buy as many properties as I can over the next year with the belief that a year from now they're going to be worth more than they are today, and then right. I reassess like every five six months. Tell me about uh, Pillars Consulting. Yeah. So really it just came from the fact that there was so much interest on learning. Everyone will say, Hey, how do I get started investing? Hey, what, um, where should I do? Can you have 30 minutes for coffee? Do you have an hour that we can meet and talk? And it just came from an influx of that. And when you already have a team and you're pouring a lot of time and energy into the people who are yours, it becomes increasingly more difficult to talk to someone for coffee, especially when I would say what nine out of 10 people aren't going to do jack shit with that information. I mean, <laughs> just to be honest. And so it, it came like, Hey, look, we have everything that you need and you can integrate into the trainings that we're already doing with our team. And once a month, we have a mastermind group coaching for you guys. Do you want access to everything that we have and integration to who we are? And the people who want to will say yes. And the people who don't, that's totally fine. If they change their mind down the road, then, but it's, it, it was cool because we didn't have to create anything. Like all of our systems, all of the recordings and the templates and the trackers and the checklists, they're already there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now it's like when somebody's like, Hey, can I pick your brain? Instead, you can, you can join our, you can join our program. Like the, yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't have to pick, we don't have to talk one-on-one, -on -one. any questions you have the team or the, you know, the whole group of people does. So just join our mastermind instead. Exactly. Very cool. Any last kind of recommendations, excitements, predictions, stuff that you love, things that you need, either investors or agents need to hear? I would say both investors and agents need to accept the fact that they are the ones who will make or break their success. And there is no easy button. I see this time and time again. It's like, people are just looking for an easy button. As an agent or an investor, like, okay, well, what's the easiest, best, fastest way, but you can't replace the work. No matter how many checklists, tools, who's teaching you, whatever, it's up to you about putting those things into action. It's up to you using your own brain and critical th critically thinking and finding the solution, even if it's difficult to find. So just like embracing the fact that they own their destiny is what I would recommend. I love that. The, yeah, we're in charge. The, we're in, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you say you can make your own luck. I've had a lot of, um, I've had a lot of lucky experiences that helped some of my bets turn out a lot better. Uh, but I had a lot of, I, I had a lot of times and a lot of years and a lot of businesses that failed and didn't work out when I was trying that same amount. So, so the, you are as an, as an agent, as an investor, you are in control of your destiny. There's uh, I love the, I love just that simple quote that there is no easy button. Even foreclosures is a great example because if someone wants to buy foreclosures, 
like the like the quick very quick process if there's 100 houses scheduled for auction right now for foreclosure 10 of them are actually going to go to sale you know so here they do it once a month in texas so next week on tuesday and we tell everybody all right first you start with 100 houses and you're going to go drive all 100 of them and take pictures and track them and put them in the system and after that you're going to see there's 20 you don't want to buy anymore one guy pulled a gun on you 20 are horrible now you're down to 80 and you're going to take those 80 and you're going to do title research on them. And that 80 is going to turn into 60. And then you're going to take that 60 and you're going to comp all of them and you're going to do analysis and say, okay, here's my max bids. And during that process, you're going to find out 20 are in bad neighborhoods. So now you show up to auction with that list of 40, 10 of them show up, you have all 40 ready and you can buy one. So for every hundred that you start with, you can buy one. It's a very simple system where it's foolproof. Every time I do that much work, I show up with a house at auction. I succeed, but it's also hard, right? So there's no easy button, but it is simple. And I think so much of real estate and investing is, is the same thing. There's, there's no easy button with it, but it is simple. There's a process to start the meetup. You go through the process, you put through the energy. Now you've got the lead, you follow up with those leads and it turns into, into other stuff. So I, I love being able to summarize it with that. Shelby, people are going to, I know you'll have some stuff that we're going to put in our toolbox. So the, for listeners out there, you can go to hybendigital.com. Uh, Shelby will throw some stuff in there, probably some of her pints and properties things. I know you can go to pintsandproperties.com to see some of that stuff. Plus she said she has got all sorts of kind of freebies. So be looking for later based on some of the stuff we talked about in there. But Shelby, how can people reach out to you? You're going to have plenty of people that are going to want to reach out to you direct and have questions. Okay, perfect. Love it. So fivepillarsrealty.com, you can connect on there or real estate with Shelby Osborne on Instagram is actually a great way for you to connect me. Just hit me up in there and um, shoot me a message. And from there, we will connect further. Cool. Yeah. The, um, so the, the Instagram's the, my most, uh, that's my most enjoyable way to connect with people too. Right now I get messages from listeners all the time and interactions and it's, and it's a really fun way for me. You know, when you listeners reach out to me, there's so many of you that once we start talking, you become people that end up getting on the show too. So, uh, be sure to reach out to Shelby, Shelby, so much great info today. The, it was great to hear your story going from, army to quick success to agent and investor and the number of doors that you have and the things that you're doing as you're building your business as like a CEO of so many different things, a very different path considering now you left the military three years ago. Is that right? Four years? It's twenty. Uh, it'll be almost four. Soon. Almost <laughs> four years ago, you got into real estate and today you're doing a pretty darn good job. So Shelby, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm sure our listeners got a lot of value from that and real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that 
in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.